Good morning. So the last two Sundays, today and last week, uh, I was rudely awakened early in the morning. I will not talk to you about what happened last week. You can only imagine if there's a stomach bug going around. Um, but this morning at 5.17 a.m., I was kind of asleep and kind of not, and uh, I sensed someone, something wrong, something weird, like someone's in the room, and I kind of woke up, and then I heard this. Okay, my heart should get going. I should start thinking there's an intruder, but they don't usually knock. And I kind of look over and my wife's not there and I'm, I'm, I'm disoriented and I'm like, she seems to be, our bed is here, our, her, I was going to say our dresser, her dresser's over here. And between her dresser and what would be the wall of our closet, she's standing there. I'm like, what is up? Animal! Apparently, there was something chewing somewhere, but I just went, okay, went right back to sleep. <laughs> so, Lynn, I'm sorry, I am not a good protector. I did. Um, look, this is Easter, and you know that. I know that. We know that. Those of you at home know that. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to worship a risen Savior. Um, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to caution us today. We're going to talk about some things that we've talked about before. Things that because you arrive at church on an Easter Sunday and you find it important, everything we talk about today will be things you know. And it is easy to grow accustomed to that which we know and to, for it to lose some of its power. Now, there's a famous preacher, his name is John Piper, and he gave a sermon. I don't know when it was. It was, it, it was a six-minute message, and he had had a cancer scare uh, earlier in the year, and he he stood up on a Sunday morning and said, you will never, 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 outgrow the gospel. And man, I have some, I have some friends that are pastors that when you start talking about confessing of sin, the forgiveness of sin, the crucifixion of our Lord, the resurrection of our Lord, the ascension of Jesus, they kind of go, and it's a sad day when we become so accustomed to the good news that we are unmoved by it. So I pray that you hear the, the written word of God today, the resurrection story as communicated to us through the, 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 the apostle or the, the, the gospel according to Luke. I pray that you hear it, that you see that we are not more sophisticated than the people back then. They had the same doubts we would have if we found out that, uh, that someone was saying that someone we love had come back from the dead. They, they, they needed encouragement, they needed a reminder, and they needed Jesus himself to confirm who he is, not just who he was, but who he is and who he forevermore will be. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we bless you, we praise you, we thank you for who you are, and we thank you for what you've done and for what you're doing, and for what you're going to do. Lord, I ask personally that you stand in my shoes, that you give me your thoughts, that you speak with my mouth, that you give me the tenor, the demeanor, the pace, the cadence, all of it, so that your people, we hear what you have to say. This is not my message for them, it's your message for us. Remind us again, Lord, how important the gospel is, how crucial 
It is that we see it for now, not just for something that we accepted or that we received when we were younger. We pray this in the name of Jesus, through the power of your spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen. Luke 24, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men, these men with like lightning clothes, these men said to them, why, why, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from, or when, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven to all the, and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna... Mary, the mother of James, most likely not the mother, they would have said mother of Jesus, Mary, the mother of little James, the younger James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and he ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying uh, by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Now, that same day, Two of them were going to the village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas. Now, historically, we don't know this for sure, but just as a little, a little ditty, a little piece of Bible trivia, Cleopas, this is probably a husband and wife going home. It's probably Cleopas and his wife. We don't know that for sure. It's not scriptural, but that is the historic tradition in the early church. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? <laughs> I love this. Jesus, who either they were are unable to recognize him because they were kept from it because of their disbelief or unbelief, or Jesus is not allowing himself to be seen for who he is yet. We don't know that for sure. It's ambiguous in the text on purpose. But they, are, are you only a visitor? Do you not know what's happened? And Jesus goes, what things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God. And all the people, the, chi our, the chief priests and our rulers, handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he, Jesus, was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, Jesus speaking to them, how foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ 
have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all of the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. I like that. Um, I don't know. I can't say if it was Jesus was being a little mischievous here, but there's another time when Jesus is one of the time, one of the accounts of Jesus walking on the water, it says he was about to pass them by and then they noticed him. Um, this is, he's going to, he's going to continue on his way. I don't know. I don't know if he, if he's got a little smirk. I, I, I don't know, but I do know that, that while he's resurrected and he's glorified, he's still human. Jesus acted as if he, were going to, if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while, we talked with, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, not, this isn't Cleopas and his wife, it's not this two, all the others were saying this. Sorry, I just lost it. It is true, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke bread. While they were still talking, about all of this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. You think that's a little startling? This morning at 517 when I hear someone say, animal! That's a little startling. I didn't expect someone to be there. But here are all these people gathered together talking about these wondrous things that, they, that, they, that Jesus himself has shown up. He talked to Simon. He talked to Cleopas and his traveling companion. And they're all gathered together, and they're talking about it, and they're wondering. They're not sure what's happening. And then Jesus is there, and he says, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do, you, why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands, my feet. And then in awkward English, it works well in, in, in Greek, but... It is I myself. Touch me and see a ghost or a spirit is the actual word there. Spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it in their presence. And then he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written in the prophet, or that was written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so that he could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have 
until you have been clothed with power from on high. And then Luke summarizes the ascension, which he details a bit more early in the book of Acts. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while, while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Now, I want to just tell you one more little nugget before we get to this illustration. It says here that then he opened their minds so they could understand the scripture. That is why that kind of silly prayer I pray every time, it's, re it's repetitive, every time before I, pre before I preach. Lord, open our eyes, open our ears, soften our hearts so that we can see, hear, and receive what you have for us to receive. Give, stand in my shoes, give me your thoughts, speak with my mouth so that this is your message for us, not my message for them. It's asking the Lord to open our minds so that we can understand the living word of God. And Jesus, in these last words that, that are recorded in the gospel according to Luke, he says that you are witnesses and that, the, that repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached to all nations. How could that grow old to us? How can we grow out of the need to understand that we need a Savior, that we are dead in our sin? I'm going to do my best this morning to, to, to make it as simple as possible, to summarize what Jesus just said there, that Jesus says that repentance and forgiveness of sin will be preached. That is why we gather. That is why you pay five people to set their, themselves apart to study the Word of God so that they may know it well enough to preach it in Jesus' name. We serve a resurrected Lord, an ascended Savior. He suffered. He died. Why? Well, by the way, when I say I'm going to simplify, I'm going to try to make it as simple as possible. It's not simplistic but it is simple enough for a four-year-old to understand. Now, I don't want to anthropomorphize God, which means to put on God human qualities, but for the sake of vision, I'm a really good artist. God. Is it showing up on the screen? us. This is how God intended humanity to be in relationship with him. It's way more than this, but God want, he wants to be connected with us. He wants us connected with him. And actually in the Hebrew, the word for spirit, sorry, that one doesn't look right. The word for spirit is wind. The ruach of God hovered over the depths when things were created. 
It is actually the, the breath of God that keeps us afloat. It is, it is God's intention for us to stay connected. But yes, does the kite have some sense of will? Can, you, can, it, can it move one way or the other? Can it respond to the blowing of the wind in some way or another? Yes. Yes. But it is God in our connection to him that keeps us being the people that God wants us to be. It's how human, humans are created. This is actually the word for this in the Old Testament Shalom, a perfect peace, a walking, talking, knowing, and loving relationship with the God of the universe. We could go all the way back to the Garden of Eden when, when Adam and Eve were sinless, naked, and unashamed, and they could talk with God every day in the cool of the, in the, cool of the day. And he gave them dominion. He said, do with the, with the earth what you will do. Be fruitful, and it will multiply. One thing, one thing. Don't do one thing. There are so many more rules in Yahtzee than there were in the garden. Just don't eat this tree because if you eat it, you're going to die. Why? Well, it's the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. See, to this point, humanity only knew good. Good, no evil. And in typical human fashion... We know better than God. Sin severs the relationship, severs the tie. Now, what happens to that kite now that the line is cut? It either falls or it gets hung up in a tree. Either way, it's no longer flying. And if you're a person, you're no longer connected to God. This is what we call sin. It's what Scripture calls sin. What was intended is perpetual connection with God, shalom. The way we talk about it today is heaven. And what happened in the fall because of sin is separation from God. The word we use for that now is hell. With God, connection with God, only good. Everything that's good. And when we end up with him for eternity, we only experience what is good if we receive what he has offered us. But hell is the absence of God, and therefore it is the absence of anything good. And you may have heard people say, I don't know, you know I don't believe that a loving God could condemn someone or send someone to hell. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. And this is risky because some of you have had some very negative experiences in your human relationships. But sometimes we attribute to God something we would never attribute to another person, to a, to a human being. So I'm just going to paint a little picture. I'm going to keep it as, as nice and brief as I can. But how could a loving God send someone to hell? Well, we've all knew, we all know men. Usually it's men. 
that have a relationship with a woman in their lives where they limit their ability to interact with other people. So let me just tell it to you this way. There was a man who loved a woman deeply. And he communicated his affection to her. She wasn't interested. So he kept pursuing. He kept sending cute little texts, sent notes, overflow, or, uh, showered her with gifts. Nope, I'm not interested. I don't want to be with you. He goes, okay, well, I will wait. When you come to your senses, we're together. Decades go by, and she still has not responded to his offer to be with him, for him to love her. And so he takes her, and he brings her to be where he is. And she says, I need to go. I love you too much. You must be with me. I'm calling my family. I've taken away your phone. I'm going to email someone. No, you have no access to the internet. You cannot go anywhere without my permission. You cannot do anything without my permission. You no longer have a will of your own. Your will must come through mine. Is that a loving man? No. It's an abusive man. And if you're a man who's treating someone that way, that's not love. That's enslavement. Why would we say that why would a loving God let someone go to hell when it's actually an act of love when he says to us, if you want to be with me, I've made a way. If you do not, I will not force you to be with me against your will. If you choose not good things, that is your choice to make. But if you want all that is good, come to me. So we know the story. We just talked about it. This is how he's going to make this and this connected again. By suffering. By taking the bite and the sting out of death. But I'm going to tell you, folks, if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, good. But it doesn't fix anything. The picture of belief is that God has intervened and sin still separates. But here's the thing that Scripture says, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, we may live forever with him. This is a picture of faith. That's why Jesus came. It's more. But that's enough. There's not one person in this room who is good enough to be right with God. That's why Jesus himself, after he resurrected from the dead, after, and remember, the, the, the stone was rolled away. It wasn't for Jesus that the stone, he didn't, if he could come back from the dead, 
He, if he could walk into a, if he can stand in a room without opening the door, he didn't need the rock moved. The rock was moved for us so that we see, that we can start to go, hmm, I wonder if this is true, like Peter. When he spoke to his people, he said, repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in my name. Paul, the author of two-thirds of the books of the New Testament, he said, I am resolved to preach nothing but Christ and him crucified. The watershed point of all of history is right there. And you and I, every day, get to decide for ourselves whether we're going to say yes, Lord, or no, Lord. Whether we're going to live as if Jesus is resurrected and he's transformed my heart and he is, he's here to change the world. Or if we're going to live under the idea, I got this. Those are our options, and I'm sorry that it's binary, but it is. It's heaven or hell. It's all things good with God forever, or it's the complete and utter absence of God, which means it's the complete and utter absence of all things good. That is our option. That is our choice. And that is why Easter exists. If he didn't come back from the dead, then he was just another false prophet who died at the hands of man. This is a glorious thing. There's a very famous neo-atheist. Someone asked him, what if you're wrong and you, you, know, you, you die and you face judgment and you, know, you, you meet God, what will you say? And that, and he, he said, I'll say to God, how dare you? That is some different kind of arrogance. Does he really think that he will stand before the ancient of days, before the one who spoke into darkness and light appeared? Does he really think that he could, that, that he could accuse God like the Satan, Satan, the accuser does? How's that working out for the Satan, for Satan? He's going to spend eternity in the unquenchable pit or lake of fire. See, sometimes we have this idea that we, out of, since God's been speaking to humanity about 6,000 years that we know of um, about, and, and that, that we think in this generation that we finally figured out that everybody else is so unenlightened, but we, we've got it figured out and we know better than God. We do not, folks, I'm just telling you. And I know you know it, but it ha we have to be reminded that we are nothing without the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not good moral advice. It is good news. It is finished. And you and I have an opportunity today, as we've had it before, and maybe another time we'll have it. But right now, we have an opportunity to decide between belief, and I know that's a terrible cross right here, isn't it? Is he the one, his work, his life, his teaching, his miracles, 
his suffering, his death, his dissension into hell, his resurrection from the dead, and his ascension to the Father, is that the thing that matters most in your life? Because the Scripture says all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. The Scripture says that what we earn from our sin is death, eternal separation from God, hell. But the gift of God is everlasting life through Christ Jesus. And Romans 10, 9 tells us this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that means with everything you have, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's faith. Are you a person of faith? Or are you a person who believes? My friend Jack Stolp heard a missionary show up to church one time. And his sermon started with, I'm going to do it. He hit, the guy hit the podium. Believe and be damned. But he's not wrong. Is the gospel old news? Does it matter anymore? Have you grown out of it? Has it lost its power? The God of the universe took on flesh. And died. So you don't have to. His will be done or yours. And I would be a liar and a fraud if I did not put that binary in front of you. It is either his will or yours. It is heaven, all things good, with God forever, connected the way you're supposed to be. He will keep you afloat. You still have a will. It's either his will or yours. And if it's yours, he's not sending you to hell. You're choosing it. And it's actually God's love for you. His last act of love is to not force you to be with him for eternity if that's not where you want to be. Is it where you want to be? If it is, for the first time, the 50th time, or the 500th time, today's the day. Today's the day to say, yes, my Lord. To confess, repent, ask for forgiveness, and receive it. He writes your name in the Lamb's book of life, never to be erased. Let's pray. Lord, I'm a sinner destined to be forever separated from you. I need you. You are my Lord and Savior. And I receive for myself this day that which you offered me 
upon your resurrection. Take my life, let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Forgive me, and I count on your forgiveness as you promised, that gone are my offenses like a cloud, my sins like the morning mist, because I've returned to you and you've redeemed me. I pray this in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Spirit that lives within me, for the glory of God, my Father. Amen.